God is doing stuff. He's doing stuff. And I want, you know, I really want to encourage us to get on board with what he's doing. It's not boring. It's exciting. And a great privilege of mine, really, is to be, to go places and see what God is doing in different places. And we're not, I'm not travelling to Africa or America or Asia. In the UK, just seeing God just doing amazing things. I was with Simon Holly and he was telling us about his wife and how she had a back problem all her life. And she went to pray, Terry Virgo prayed with her. And she had a, a shortened, lost this bone here, the thigh bone. Thigh bone's connected to the hip bone. I better stop there. And uh, it was short. It was like three inches short. And she watched Terry Virgo pray as her leg just moved straight out beyond the length of the other leg, and then back in. Went back to see the doctor. The doctor said her leg, has, her leg bone has grown by two inches. Is that God or isn't it? It's what he does. You know, it, it, healing is part of what he does. Lots of other things as well, but healing to see the power of God. And when he, when he commissioned us to make disciples... It was to go and do the things that Jesus was doing, that we are to go and do those same things. So why are we banging on? Why am I banging on about being disciples? It's because, because we weren't just saved. We weren't just saved. It's like, you know, when Jesus came to us, it was like a checklist. I'll take the forgiveness of sins, right? But I'm not sure about everything else, actually. You know, I'll have, this, I'll have my sins forgiven, but the lordship stuff and the taking my cross, I don't know. You know what, I've, I've, I've gone way ahead of myself. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a quote I heard today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German guy, Christian, who was um, killed by the Nazis for making a stand. Uh, and he said this, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. To be a Christian by name and not by nature is unfounded in the New Testament yes, scriptures. Sir. That's a great quote, isn't it? And I think we kind of, I've lived with this option. I love, I love coming to church and I love the worship, but I'm not too sure. Remember Leah's talk? I'm not too sure about the squeezing. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm trying to get across to us today and in this series of prayer is trying to get us to see there is a great value in being a disciple of Jesus. And if we're not following him, then actually Christianity is going to be pretty stale. Because we'll live like the world lives, I think, where we'll be really happy when the good stuff happens, and there will be good stuff, but when, when things aren't quite so good, we're not so sure, and we'll waver, and we'll be like on a roller coaster. But when we have got set in our heart, my life is dedicated to following Jesus. You know what? Life makes sense. The Christian life makes sense. Oh no, that's the wrong way. How do I go about? Where's, oh, where's Caleb? <laughs> Start me again, Robin. It's because I can't read my notes. That's a problem. I'm trying to go, trying to fly, go freestyle. Um, thank you. Is it down or up? So we know these verses by now. This then is how you should pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Been walking through this week, just walking um, and praying and uh, asking God, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And I, I'm just talking with God about that. Um, and to be a disciple, I think, it means that I, I think it means that I, I, ra- I order my life a- around Jesus Christ. This is what we did last time, okay? I order my life around Jesus Christ, not Jesus Christ around my life. And that's the heart of a follower of Jesus. That I order my life around Jesus Christ, not Jesus Christ around my life. And when I just started, I was thinking about that because that dropped into my head. And then you realise if you take the second option, then what you're saying is, Robin, you can do it. If I order my life. Hello, Caleb. It's not working. We need you, Caleb. It took me hours to do this. How are you doing that? Or are you doing it? I just, I forget it. I, I just thought. If you take that, if I take that, um, I don't, that's the one. I order Jesus, I order Jesus, I got it around, forget the my. I order Jesus Christ around my life. That's, I suddenly thought there's a sense that I begin to order Jesus around. Do you understand what I mean? If you get the wrong way around, I, 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 can't, I can't be in a kind of relationship with God where I'm ordering Jesus. Jesus, I want you now, but, not, but when I call you, come. You know, I'll have you in my life now, but not then. Uh, I need you when things go wrong, not so much when things are good. I can't be ordering Jesus around my life. I need to order my life around Jesus. Jesus is in the centre. I order everything else around that. Not my life in the centre, and I fit Jesus in when I can. The heart of a disciple is to increasingly see Jesus Christ as number one. That makes sense? I've written that wrong, and it might have been a mess, but does that make sense? I don't want to have Je- I don't want me being telling Jesus what to do. I want Jesus to be Lord in my life. That's the heart of a disciple. And that is why I'm trying to get us to see that this disciple's prayer sets that. It sets that right inside the very core of my Christian life, which is my prayer life. Right in the very centre of who I am. I'm praying. God, this is how I'm going to pray. First of all, you're my Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right? And then it's, okay, this is what I need in order to see that happen. Give me daily bread. Help me to walk in forgiveness. Help me to make good choices and not be tempted away. We're trying to order. I'm trying to help us to order our lives around that if we can. And what we see, I'm just thinking about this. In the structure of this prayer, this all about him to begin with. We praise his name. We're pursuing his growth. We're prioritising his way. 
This is the first half of the prayer. This is how we're praying as disciples. This is what is important to me, that you're praised, that you are, your kingdom is growing, that your will is being done. And then we come into the second half and we're saying, daily bread, prepare my resources. I'm preparing my resources for today. <coughs> Forgiveness, I'm positioning my attitude. This is how I'm, my heart, protect, guard your heart above all things. I'm preempting my choices, which we'll come to next week. But I'm going to focus on forgiveness and the first half of forgiveness today. Preparing ourselves in the second half of the prayer is so important as we begin each day. I believe this is what Jesus did. Now, Jesus never prayed, Father, forgive me. He never actually asked God to forgive him because he was never wrong. Okay, we understand that? That's why it's not really the Lord's prayer. It's not a prayer that Jesus would have had to pray. I imagine he might have asked God for grace and power to forgive others. I'm, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a problem for him. I'm not sure what your theology on that was. When he's walking around his world and hearing people tell him what he should do. I wonder if they thought, Jesus, oh, I could have really smacked him. We think not. Right? But he never had to pray, forgive me because he didn't do anything wrong. But you take that daily bread. We need to be ready for the day, God, what are you going to show me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? I think of the story, really famous story, of um, Jesus is off with his disciples somewhere, and he comes back um, to a commotion, and he finds the disciples gathered around a boy that has demons inside him. And the father's distraught. And he's, Jesus says, what's going on? And the father says, my son has this awful demon. It's destroying him. And I brought him to your disciples to cast him out. But they can't do it. They can't do it. And in here is that famous words where the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. And then Jesus prayed for the boy. And guess what? Completely delivered and set free. Amazing. At the end of that, the disciples were wondering, what's gone on? He says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. You look at the story. Do you see Jesus praying? Did he fa Do you see him fasting over that boy? You know, Jesus never prayed for people to be healed. Did he? You're looking blankly at me. Jesus didn't pray for people to be healed. He commanded healing. He spoke healing. But where in this story that you look, do you see Jesus praying for the boy and fasting? I would say to you that Jesus got the resources to drive this demon out in the secret place. Where he received his daily bread, the resources needed to meet that demonic force. Whether that particular demonic force was really strong, I don't know what it was. But he said, you know what, guys, the reason I could drive him out and you couldn't is because I've spent time in the secret place and I've received my resources from heaven and I can come and, and take that demon down. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a prayer of preparedness. Give me the resources I need because I want to go into the world and I want to see the kingdom come. The Holy Spirit can act in a moment at any, with any of us. Hallelujah for that. But if you see a life that is consistent in the power and demonstration of God, you will see a life that spends a lot of time 
in the secret place saying, God, give me your resources. Give me your resources. Yeah? So it's a prayer of preparedness. It's a prayer that God, give me what I need in order that I might hallow your name, see your kingdom come, and see your will be done. Another reason that Jesus was never wanting in the battle, I believe, was his attitude, his heart. He guarded his heart above all things. He never fell. He never had a need to say, God, have, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. I call this checking my attitude because Jesus is modelling to us a prayer which we can use in our secret place. It's a prayer of preparation. See, I, I say that because if I'm, if I, like this afternoon, if I go somewhere or you go somewhere tomorrow and you sin, you do something wrong. Let's say, for example, you look at your colleague and, as Jesus put it, you commit adultery in, adultery in your mind. Or you see your neighbour's car and you think, I want that car. Why can't I have that car? You fall short of God's standards. You sin. Okay? That's the word for it. I don't know about you, but I don't get my phone out and make a note and say, you know what, tomorrow morning when I have my prayer time, I'll go and ask God to forgive me. You don't do that, do you? Do you? I don't do that. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, right there and then, I say, oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to have this in my life. I don't wait till the next day before I get before God and pray, forgive my sin, God, for yesterday. Understand what I mean? Does that make sense? We're always walking with God. That's why this prayer is not a verbatim prayer just to pray as it is. It's a prayer that gets inside our lives, gets inside our hearts. We begin to live the prayer out. We begin to live it out in our day-to-day life. But I also think, and a wonderful thing is, of course, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins cleanses us from all unrighteousness. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of the shed blood that, Jesus, that Diane talked about a few minutes ago. But as a secret place of intimacy with the Father, for me it's a place of growing devotion towards surrendering to God's purposes. That I say, God, I want to walk in your forgiveness. I want to walk in your purity I want to walk in your kindness. I want to walk in your goodness. I don't want to have anything come into my life, anything come into my mind that stops and breaks the good relationship I have with the Holy Spirit. And I use this prayer at this point to check my attitude. God, I want to to walk in forgiveness. This is intrinsically connected to forgiving others, but we're going to pick up on that next time. But I want us to understand it's really important. We keep... Not only do we keep short accounts with God, but in our preparedness for the day, we're saying, God, give me the grace to walk in forgiveness, to walk in your forgiveness. And again, that will be connected to the one we do as well on temptation. How many things do I have in my life? This is where it challenged me. How many things do I have in my life that are not really, I don't think they're Ten Commandments sins, but they're areas of my life that I know, you know, that could be better. It might be an attitude that I have. It might be something I listen to 
some action that I take, something I watch, where I can feel the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, that's not great for you, Dave. But I like it too much to let go. I just, my flesh likes it too much. Okay, it might not be one of the top ten sins, or that are all kind of connected into there, but I, there's things that I know, you know, I shouldn't really do this because it's, I know it's not good for me, and I can kind of hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, Dave, that's not good for you. And I find that as I spend time in the Father's presence, he starts to highlight those things to me. And I have a choice. I go, God, forgive me for that. I repent of that. I need to go another way. C.S. Lewis said something really interesting. He says, what we call asking God's forgiveness very often really consists in asking God to accept our excuses. You'll let me off this, God, won't you? You know, it's just a little thing that I do. But the heart of a disciple is to increasingly go after the life of Jesus. And when I'm, you, when I'm praying this prayer, I get to this point because I, I, I don't commit a lot of sins. Am I being arrogant in that? I don't think I commit a lot of sins. Just talk to your wife. Yeah, talk to Hazel. But, you know, I, I don't... And that should be part of growing in God, shouldn't it? Yes. You know, you, you overcome things. It's not like every day I'm, I'm like, oh, no, there's this, and I start beating myself up, and there's that. You know, I'm, I'm not spending all my time. I have more, than, as I, I think my dad always used to say, I have more sins in the things I don't do than in the things I do. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's things I should do that I don't do that I have to that are bad but so what I'm trying to say in that time with God I'm not spending going through a list of oh I, I hit this person I swore at that person I stole from that person I lied to that person you know please God help us we're, we're growing in that right but I come before God I get this part and I just saying God I want to walk free from sin are the areas in my life areas in my life where I'm I'm not walking as you want me to walk. And the Holy Spirit may well come and just say, look, there's this area here. I want you free in that area. It's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Forgive me. And as I go into the world today, I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses for that. I'm not going to say, it's not really that bad, God. It's not really that bad. You know? It might be something that you let into your eyes as you're watching TV, and I know there's so much stuff on TV, if you, if you were to screw everything that was bad, you wouldn't watch anything. Now, that might not be a bad idea, perhaps. But you know what? Oh, yeah, God, it's not really that bad. But if the Holy Spirit starts to highlight it to you, then then I suggest, you know what? Do something about it. Because he's not doing it because he's a God of slap you down. He's a God of love. And he wants a deeper relationship with you. And I go to him and say, God, that area, I repent of that. Forgive me, I repent. And by repentance, we mean we change direction. I want to walk a different way. Forgive us, God, forgive us. Yes, it's about the big things. We need forgiveness. And we'll come on to how we forgive others next time. But it's walking with an attitude. I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to you. You know what? God is a God of grace. We've majored on that for years now. He's a God of grace. But we can't use that as a reason to say it doesn't matter what I do. 
That's not, that's not the way grace should be. Again, I always quote Bill Johnson's quote here. Grace that does not lead to holiness is not grace at all. Right. That's good. Yeah. That's good. We thank God that we don't get what we deserve. Mm -hmm. That's mercy. We thank God we do get what we don't deserve, and that's grace. But for the disciple, that doesn't make that an excuse to let things pass because it makes it easier for us. What it is, it becomes a point where I say, God, I want more of you. I want to let go of this. Give me grace to let go of the things that are stopping me being a disciple. Jesus met every, I believe Jesus met every need and conquered it was because of the state of his heart pure before God I want to be pure before God and I don't want to make excuses when he begins to point things out to me a disciple wants everything which offends God out of their lives it's an attitude of devotion people can look up David's cry in Psalm 139 when he says see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting you can see that as a self-harming thing Always looking at yourself. Oh, I've got, a, I've got a witch hunt on myself. I've got a... Oh, oh, oh. I'm rubbish. I'm useless. No, it's when you're in with the, with the Father's presence. Open your heart to him. Show me, God. Show me, is there any way that I'm, not, that I'm offending you? And when he shows you, repent and forgive me. He wants a closer walk with you and I. And as disciples, this is our heart. Paul says... In 2 Corinthians, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. When we look at his face, you hear people say, the closer I get to God, in a sense, the worse I feel. Why is that? Because the light of his presence is so strong. By his grace, he begins to highlight areas in my life. Dave, you've got to deal with this. Dave, you've got to do with this. It's not, about, it's not about rules and an angry God. It's about a loving God that wants to draw us deeper into his presence. Are we willing, when he speaks and highlights these things in our lives, to say, you know what, God, I'm letting go of that. Forgive me. It's an attitude of surrender. It's an attitude of heart. God is there every time to forgive. He holds nothing against us. He's there to forgive us. But I want an attitude, a heart attitude, that walks in repentance to his will and to his heart. So when I, when I pray, I've been trying to do this with you on this, on this journey, so I'm going to show you how I use this. I'm not saying this is the way. I'm not saying that you can't do it other ways. I'm saying this is how I use it. And I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing what I say, but I would say, when I come, Father, I walk surrendered to you today. Help me to walk in purity and holiness. Show me if there's anything in my life or I do today which offends you. Help me to guard my heart and deal quickly through repentance and forgiveness with anything which offends you. I lay down my rights. I lay down my excuses. It's the heart of a disciple to say, I lay it down for you. Prepare the heart ground of my heart to walk in purity before you and with you. That's our heart. And as you walk with this attitude, you'll find as you commune in intimacy with the Father in the secret place, 
the Holy Spirit will show you areas. He wants you to become more like him. He wants you to become more like he is in your life. One other thing about forgiveness that I just want to finish with, God's forgiveness, that we need to get clear in our, in our hearts, and that is this, and I've heard this spoken a lot, everything we've ever done in the past is forgiven. Everything I'll ever do today is forgiven. Everything I will ever do in the future is forgiven. Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if I'm already forgiven, why do I have to ask for forgiveness? Ever come across that? If I'm already forgiven in the future, why is it I have to ask God to forgive me? I now have a few kind of... um, term kind of maybe hyper grace you might call it super grace I never have to ask for forgiveness because I'm already forgiven I never have to go to God and ask him because I'm already set free there's two things we need to understand for me about this if I can help us in that number one we are forgiven the penalty of our sin Christ's death and resurrection has dealt with the penalty of our sin now and forever. So now, even if I sin tomorrow, the penalty for my sin will never be on me because it all fell on Jesus. Do we understand that? Nothing can change that. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. The penalty for my sin has been paid. You understand that, right? It's done forever. Nothing you can do, this is what came out of the series we did, remember, nothing you can do can make God love you anymore. Nothing you can do can make God love you any less. Isn't that amazing? That's his grace. That's his grace. And the penalty for my sin is forever covered. And I thank God for that. But if you're like me, you'll recognise there is still a power of sin that tries to drag me back. Who experiences that? It's still there because part of my flesh, which has not yet been completely transformed, still sometimes wants those things that I know are not good for me. And I sometimes fall. And, and I realize that God, when I fall, I realize I go to God and I say, God, you've got to help me. I love this verse in a... It's not there. Okay. Hebrews ten fourteen. For by one sacrifice... He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I love the kind of contradiction in that verse. By one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That means before Christ, we're perfect. So we can go straight into his presence. But there is a process within me. God, I fail up. I foul up. I fail. I get it wrong. So even though in terms of penalty, I'm forever forgiven... I still have problems. Jesus had the incident of washing his disciples' feet. Peter said, no way, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, okay then, you have nothing I can do with you. You have nothing to do with me. Peter said, ah, in that case, not just my feet, all of me. Jesus said, no, just your your feet. Because you know what? You're, You're clean. You're already clean. But you pick up stuff on your feet that get you all stinky and smelly and dusty and dirty. And we need washing off sometimes because we fail. And we need the word of God to wash us and to cleanse us. So we have to understand that. The other thing I think we need to get is this prayer. Remember we said at the beginning, we begin our Father. It's a prayer of intimacy. The relationship we have with God is not based on a set of rules. It's not like a, 
it's not like an algorithm. If I do A and I do B, then I do C, then I'll get D. Right? If, if I do it in a certain order, it's like a puzzle. If I get in a certain order, it'll work. That's not the basis of our relationship with him. It's a relationship with him. It's a feeling relationship. I'm a real living person. He's a real living person. There's an intimacy. And in that intimacy, sometimes things go wrong. I'm coming up to 50 years of age with my wife's considerably younger than me, of course. But married for 28 years. And we signed a bit of paper at the beginning. Do you remember that, if you were married? You know what, the only thing that's going to separate us is death. That's what we said. Amen. It's the only thing that is. And I know that doesn't always work out for people. I understand that. I'm not, you know, I thank God, you know, she's stuck with me there so far. For 20, but we, that's what we vowed. But if I upset her, I can't go back to my covenant and say, I don't have to say sorry, yeah. because she's not going to leave me. No. She's not going to abandon me, because she promised she'd stay with me. That's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. This is a real relationship. And if I upset her, which I think has happened once in 28 years, <laughs> I, rem I remember it really well, okay? then I need to say sorry, because I love the person that I've grieved. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And in that regard, if I upset the Father because I've chosen a path that he doesn't want, it's absolutely natural and right for me to say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. I didn't want to do that to you. Please don't let it damage the closeness of our relationship. Forgive me. Let me come back into that unity, that oneness with you. I don't want there to be this thing between us so that next time I walk into your presence, you know, it's like that atmosphere you have been in marriage you get that sometimes atmosphere I don't want an atmosphere between me and God and you know what if someone's going to say sorry it's going to be me I ain't going to wait for sometimes in a marriage you're waiting for the other one to say sorry yeah in this one in this relationship God never has to say sorry it's always me and I don't want anything to get in the way of my close communion with God. And when God highlights something to you, you know, some sins, it's obvious. Just get before God and get before him straight away because that's a trick the devil plays on you. Sometimes you do something that's wrong again and you're like, you can't look God in the face. And the devil will accuse you. That's what he does. You can't speak to God. Yes, you can. Every single time, straight away, look Jesus in the eye You'll see it, you'll see, you look the Father in the eye, you'll see the love of Jesus. You see the love of the Father. I f I'm sorry, God. And his forgiveness comes in straight away. We've got to live like that. We've got to live like that. It's a lifestyle of repentance. This, this, this forgive us our debt is developing a lifestyle of repentance. It's not you, God, it's me. It's not you, it's me. I want to get it right. I want to live it right. I want to walk in unity with your presence with your Holy Spirit and then I begin to fully take part in hallowing your name in seeing your kingdom come in seeing your will be done Amen forgive us our debts this is intrinsically linked to forgiving others and we'll look at that next time because that's so vitally important but I want us to know today I want you to know 
as you will come into your secret place, prepare your attitude. God, you're always right. You're always right. Show me, is there any offensive way within me? Lead me in the way everlasting. Deal with my fear. Even if I think it's a small thing, if it might be a small thing, but if the Holy Spirit highlights it this week, now is the time to deal with it. Don't go to God with excuses. Go to God with your heart. Have your way in me, God. Have your way in me. Let's bow our heads. So let's just in our hearts practice this right now. As I said before, I'm not saying that what, how I use this prayer is the only way. I'm not saying it's the infallible way. I'm just showing you how I use it. And I think it's right from the rest of Scripture that we use it this way. So you can in your heart just, just say something like this, Father, I want to follow you 100%. I want to be a disciple. I don't want anything to get in the way of our relationship and of me being able to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Show me if there's any part of my life that is offending you. Show me if there's any part of my life that grieves the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, I wouldn't advise you start looking around. Just be quiet before the Father. And allow him to show you something. It may not be anything, and that's okay. That's okay. We're not doing this out of fear of an angry God. We're doing it in devotion to a loving God. And if he shows you anything, then just lay it down and ask for grace. Because when the Holy Spirit highlights something, he'll give you grace to deal with it. And if you know there's something that you know I've not dealt with this, it's obvious. Just say, God, forgive me, God. And know this, when you ask for forgiveness, you will never, ever, ever be turned away. You will never, ever, ever be rejected. You will never, ever, ever find a cold shoulder. You will never find anybody, God, saying to you, you've got to earn that. You've got to earn it. Never. He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, we want to be disciples of yours. Jesus, we want to be your disciples. We want to follow you. And God, we're asking for this desire to be embedded in the very core of our Christianity in the way we pray. We want your name to be hallowed first. We want your kingdom to come first. We want your will to be done first. And then God, we want our daily bread to live for you. We want to have the right attitude to live for you. We want to make the right choices to live for you. So God, I pray that you would help us to have the grace and determination to go after your best. 
to go after your hearts and your purposes. Help us this week to pray like disciples and help us this week to love and to live like disciples. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, I'm over here. Amen. Amen.